Well, we've been in a series here at Walk Church that we've titled Believe the Hype. Believe meaning we have a conviction in our hearts that something is true, that something is genuine, authentic, and real. The hype meaning something that has a buzz around it, something that has some momentum, popularity, or fame about something specific. We're saying believe the hype. And we started this series three weeks ago, and we said, you know what, you can believe the hype that's built around the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus not only died on the cross for all of our sins, but, but he rose from the grave, defeating death and hell, and he paves a way for us to have victory and salvation in him. That's not just uh, a hype or religious jargon, that's actually facts, and that's history that we can stand on as a rock But the resurrection doesn't just end and the Bible closes and that's all we do in our lives. But the story continues that the same power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave now fills us and then motivates us and mobilizes us to be his church. Believe the hype about the Holy Spirit and then believe the hype that we're called to do something, that the Holy Spirit produces a witness, a witness with our lives and a witness with our lips. So that's just a, a, a brief recap of the last three weeks. Today, if, if today would have a lot of hype around a specific subject, I think it would be around the topic of motherhood. I wanna preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling Believe the Hype About Motherhood. Now, for all the dudes in the room or for the non-mothers, don't check out, all right? Because I really believe that we can get something out of this message that all of us together would be able to learn or glean some type of principle and next step from the reading of the word today. So if you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry for God's word this morning, say, let's eat. Let's eat. eat. Believe the hype about motherhood. In the Bible, we come across a guy uh, by the name of Paul. Some of us know him as the Apostle Paul. He's a church-planting pastor, Paul. But before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul in the Bible uh, was a bad dude. And I don't mean that in a good way at all, right? He was a sinful man who would persecute Christians for their faith. In fact, the first ever deacon of a local church, his name was Stephen. And in Acts chapter 7 and 8, you see Stephen dragged before Saul. And Saul would pronounce his judgment upon this man where he would be executed for his faith. Saul was a bad dude, but, but God in his kindness met this messed up man on the road and he blinded him for a quick moment and then he spoke to him. And he said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he called him to faith and Saul said, who is this? And he said, it's me, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, when you touch the church, you touch me. And it'd be through that that Paul would hear the gospel and that he would come to know Jesus as a savior and he would be set on fire to be one of the greatest missionaries to ever set foot on earth. I'm so grateful for Paul. He wrote one-third of the New Testament. All the letters that you see in the scriptures to Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Corinthians were written by Paul to the churches he planted. Well, along Paul's journey, he came across a young man named Timothy. Many scholars believe that Paul stopped in Lystra, a city where he met this young man named Timothy who would become a disciple under Paul and then would become one of the next church planners from Paul. So this young man, Timothy, is who we're gonna learn from today, specifically from his mom and his grandma. And really quick before I jump into their stories, I just wanna encourage a certain group of people in the room because maybe today you came to, to walk church today 
and your past is messy and you have a testimony of things that you're not really proud of or you've made some decisions in your past that you wouldn't, you wouldn't like to be broadcast up on the screen, uh, let me go ahead and encourage you, join the club, all right? And take hope from the Apostle Paul and that his story is all types of messed up, but God still used him, amen? That God still loved him enough to call him and then set him on mission to be a great kingdom leader. That your past doesn't define you. It's, it's less about how you start. It's more about how you finish. And that God has a call on, on each of our lives to start now, today. When we look at Timothy, we get to know his mom and grandma well, uh, specifically in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I, w- I, w- I want you to look at this text with me on the screen right now. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Paul writes to Timothy this young protege church planner, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. I really wanna highlight two words that I wanna talk about in this text. The first one is sincere, and the second one is lived. When I think about Lois, and Eunice, these two mothers that are highlighted just briefly in the Bible, I'm reminded you can believe the hype about motherhood because their faith was alive. The first point that I want to bring to your attention today is that their faith was living. Their faith was living. When we look at Eunice and we look at Lois, we see two godly mothers. One is a grandmother, one's a mother to Timothy, and their faith is living. Can you just for a second ask yourself right now, And ask yourself this, is my faith living or is my faith dead? Is my faith active or is my faith flatlined? Is my faith sincere or is my faith phony? The thing that you can get today, whether you're young, old, whatever your demographic is, is that the thing that set apart Lois and Eunice is that their faith was alive, y'all. Look back with me at verse 1 or chapter 1 through 5. As we see here in the text, it says that they had a sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois. As I began to look at these two words, I began to do a word study on the word sincere and the word lives. I wanted to make sure that I understood what was so special about Lois and Eunice, and I want to apply those principles to my own life. I want to learn from them today. So we looked up these two words, sincere and lives, and I want to give you the definition on the screen. I'm going, to, I'm going to save you from my poor Greek pronunciation, all right? And that's the word, all right? You go ahead and make it out in your head, all right? But here's what it means. This word sincere means unfeigned, undisguised, without hypocrisy. So when Paul says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your mom, that he's saying that her faith wasn't a phony faith, that her faith wasn't a fake faith, that her faith was actually a sincere faith. How can you tell if your faith is sincere? Is your faith without hypocrisy? The word hypocrisy is actually the Greek word hypocrite, which is a word that they would use to Broadway performers that would star in shows and dances where when they were on stage, they would put a mask on, they would do their specific performance when they stepped off stage, they would no longer be a hypocrite because they would take their mask off and that that's who they were really were. It wasn't a bad word in any sense. It's just a real word to define people that acted a certain way. Does that make sense? 
And here it's become a word that we apply to our faith where Paul said, look, don't be like actors where you put on the mask in our one way. That's not sincere. That's a fake faith. But I really believe that our culture doesn't need any more fake faith. Amen? That our churches don't need any more fake faith. That our, our, our jobs don't need any more fake faith. That our homes and our families and our kids don't need fake faith. What Timothy needed was to see a sincerity of faith in his mom and to see that same faith backed up in his grandma, which led him to say, I need that type of faith. That he had a sincere faith because that's what his mom had. Not only that, it said that their faith was living. What does it mean for your faith to be living? This word lives, the Greek word anoiko, to dwell in one and to influence him or her. What I mean by that is, and why I'm, I'm grateful for the definition, is because here's how you can tell. Here's how you can ask this question. Because I, I, I asked you a question. Here's the question, right? Is your faith living or is it dead? Here's how you can tell, all right? I'm going to give you the way to measure. This is the measuring stick. Does your faith influence you? All my mom's in the room. All my dad's in the room. All my family's in the room. It says that Lois was influenced by her faith. That's why it was alive. If your faith doesn't influence what you do, then it may not be living. Does that make sense? If your faith doesn't influence how you think, then it may not be alive. If your faith doesn't influence things that you say, things that you do, how you forgive, how you show grace, things that you watch, things that you listen to, how you parent, how you love, all those things should be influenced by your faith. That's the way that you'll be able to determine if my faith is sincere and living or if my faith is fake and dead. Just showing up, I think, is, is, is a good principle. But I wouldn't say just showing up is, is enough to stand on its own for sincerity and for living. I would encourage you to ask this question today. I know it's a challenge, but how much does my faith in Jesus really influence my daily decisions? Because that right there is a living faith, and that's what defined these two godly mothers. I was reading a commentary on 2 Timothy 1.5, this verse that we're reading, uh, by a guy named R. Kent Hughes. And here's what Kent Hughes says in his commentary. He says that their faith, Lois and Eunice, their faith was genuine. It penetrated their hearts and their wills so that everything was touched by it. I, that, that right there, I, wanna, I hope that people would say, you know what? When it comes to Haydn's faith, uh, it touched every part of his life. That his faith touched his family, his faith touched his school, his faith touched his neighbors, his faith touched his church, his faith touched his preaching, right? That everything was touched by it. their fears and hopes and loves and desires and joys and compassions and zeal was touched by their faith. That's something that we can think about today, that their faith was touched on everything of their lives. They were the genuine article, and such faith had come to characterize Timothy as well. This was not eugenic. What he means by that is it, your faith wasn't just a genetic thing, but their faith actually had seen, uh, it was demonstrated that Timothy, Timothy saw their faith in them, and that's how he came to know Christ. The reason why I put it that way is because sometimes I hear folks say, yeah, man, I was born a Christian, and nobody's born a Christian. Y'all know that, right? We're actually born on the wrong side. We're born under the wrath of God. We're born children of the enemy, it says. We're born in a wrong relationship with God. 
And we have to come to a decision at some point in our lives where we say, you know what, I'm going to, maybe I'll make my parents' faith my faith. Or maybe I'll make Paul and Lois and Eunice's faith my faith. But at some point, you've got to make your decision. Will your faith be sincere? It doesn't necessarily need to be tied to somebody else. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian because my mom's a Christian. No, you've got to make that decision where you say, I'm going to stand on my two feet and I'm going to proclaim that I, would, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead in the grave, but I put my faith in Jesus Christ, whose death on the cross is sufficient to save me. And I believe that he rose. You can believe the hype about it, and I'm a new person. That's Timothy's story. And Timothy first saw that in his mom, Eunice. So moms, I want to encourage you in the room. And family members, I want to encourage you in the room to have a sincerity about your faith, where it's alive and active and not dead. Let me give you the second way that you can believe the hype about motherhood. Through Eunice and Lois's story, not only was their faith alive, but they passed down the Bible. One thing I love about these two godly moms is that they said, I got something to give. And what they gave was the word of God. As you look with me, and also in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this time, as we continue to read this letter that Paul wrote to young Timothy, now Paul says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those whom, from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to stop for a second, and I want you to just be reminded of your mom and of your grandma who invested the Bible in your life. He says, I'm convinced that those whom influenced you, those who you learned from, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. I think there's just something so powerful about parents saying, you know what, I'm going to train my son or daughter up in the word of God, that those words become seeds that grow up into healthy trees, that, that influencing and passing down the scriptures goes longer than anything else we could ever pass down. Again, learning from Kent Hughes, he says it like this. He says, Lois and Eunice began to teach Timothy from the earliest possible age. Remember the scripture said infancy, the substance of the Old Testament, his first stories were Bible stories. There were no picture books, but Timothy was blessed by the beautiful oral tellings and retellings by those godly women. From them, he learned of the great events and grand passages of the Old Testament. Building on that, they taught him the Bible's precepts and principles, which we learn are able to make somebody wise for salvation. And I want to encourage all the moms in the room that your children will believe the hype about your motherhood if you take this opportunity serious. And this isn't just for moms. This is for all parents in the room. And I love this. I, I just had a friend of mine who came up to me uh, right before the service and said, hey, listen, my wife and I were never able to have kids, but that's why we serve in the kids' ministry because this is where we want to invest the Bible. And there's something so powerful about taking this opportunity serious, about saying, you know what, I'm not just gonna pass down food. 
I'm not just gonna pass down my collectible items. I'm not just gonna pass down my sports stories, but I'm gonna pass down the word of God. I mentioned this scripture during our parent-child dedication. It comes from Proverbs 22, uh, verse six. Would y'all read it off the screen with me? Ready? One, two, three. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. What a, what a practice that we can apply to our lives. I love reading the book of Proverbs. I read one proverb every single day. In fact, today I'll read Proverbs 12 just because it's the 12th. And there's a proverb of wisdom for every day of the week, every day of the month. But on the 22nd, I'm always reminded to train my child up, to start my children off in the way that they should go, in the way of the Lord. Right? And he says, this principle will stay true. They, when they are old, they won't turn from it. Now, we believe the Proverbs aren't promises, but the Proverbs are principles. Some of you today may be saying, hey, man, I did that with my kid, but they're not here today. Well, the principle still remains true. And you don't know when, when they are old could mean anything, right? We just baptized a lady. I'm not going to give you her age, but she, this is her testimony during her baptism. She said, I told you it don't matter what age it is. This was the year it came alive for me. And I want to encourage you to start now, to start today with passing the written word of God down to your children. I'll tell you a little bit about how this works in my life. My wife, Nina, who's here with me today. Um, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And come on, next week, Lord willing, we'll have another baby boy. Hey, we got to clap for that. We're clapping. We're praying for that. Um, and so here's a few things that we do in our lives as parents that my wife does a, a, a fantastic model job of, of, of just taking time to pass down the Bible. Now, there's definitely value in saying, okay, we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to read. And I think getting a kid's age-appropriate Bible can be, really be helpful with that. That's one thing that we do. Before we put our boys to sleep every night, they have a time of reading. In fact, our son was so tired the other night, he was already sleeping in the car. We went to put him down, and he woke up with one eye and said, but we didn't read, <laughs> right? He, 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 he values that moment where we're able to look at the stories, even at age four. Even at age one, we're just looking at pictures, getting able, being able to learn the scriptures in a way that gets stuck in their mind. Another way to do that is through singing, singing the Bible, singing worship songs. One thing that I do for our, our boys every night is, is take time just to sing a couple songs over them that have to do with the word of God, that have to do with worshiping our great Savior. And hey, praise the Lord that my sons are young enough to not know how bad my voice in singing is, all right? So don't worry about that. Don't think that that's weird. Get a song in your head like Amazing Grace or get a song like this one, King of My Heart, and just sing You're Never Gonna Let Us Down over your child and see how that begins to get ingrained into their hearts. Another thing we do is we try to take uh, examples on site where maybe there's a mess up or maybe there's a conversation that should have went differently or maybe we could have parented even better in a certain circumstance. We'll take opportunities like that to stop with our kids and say, hey, you saw how mommy and daddy handled that situation? We could have done that differently or would you show us grace or would you show us forgiveness? Let me tell you what forgiveness is. Let me tell you about who Jesus is. Let me show you what grace looks like to be able to say sorry and to forgive. And there's times where we'll stop our son and say, hey, this is a time for you to show that person grace because that's the foundation of our faith, amen? 
right? I love what Nina says oftentimes to our son when maybe he makes a decision. Even little kids can sin. We're all born into that nature. And she would always stop and she'll always stop at EPAF and just say, hey, look, it's not about the sin you committed. It's about how you respond to it. And now he's getting that language ingrained into his mind. I think that's going to take him further when he grows up into this young man who he is. Another way that we raise our kids up by passing down the Bible is by taking them to church. I mean, what a great opportunity to drop kids off at our 412 Kids Ministry where we train up children to know the Word of God and to be set free. I learned this just a couple weeks ago. We, we took our son to the, our Good Friday service right over to the hallway. And that night I was uh, putting EPAF to sleep. I was singing over him. And I saw that he was just looking into the, to the up and he was just thinking about something. I said, what are you thinking about? And he goes, man, I learned tonight that there was a bad guy who told on Jesus. And I said, yeah, that's Judas. And he said, no, it's not Judas. I said, well, who was it then? He goes, he was the bad guy. And I said, yeah, that was Judas. And he goes, you don't know, Dad. I was like, trust me, I know. And I prayed over him, and he went to sleep. Well, that following Sunday was Easter Sunday, and I didn't even know this, but they were recapturing that story through a video teaching on the Easter story, and it says, then Judas came out, and Epaph said, it, he was right. It was him. It was Judas. And he came running over to me after church. He said, Dad, you were right. You got it right. I was like, I'm glad I got it right about that one, right? But, but the point is, he's learning the Bible. He's learning the Bible. And one thing that Eunice and Lois did so powerfully for Timothy is that they passed down the sacred holy writings of God's word, whether they used illustrations or format or, or pictures or music, you can do that, all right? And I would encourage you to start now, to start tonight, to start today, to start making it a habit to come to church and dropping your kids off and, and asking them, How, what did you learn today? And one more thing that I would give you before I jump from this point is to pray the Bible. That's one way to pass down the word, is to take time in your life to say, you know what, I'm just gonna pray for my kids right now and pray the scriptures and promises of God over them. I was recently blessed by my mom, actually, who gave me a card she wrote to me in 1990, right? When I was just two years old, she wrote the date on it. It was an Easter card that said, son, I'm praying for you on this Easter that you would know the resurrection of Jesus, right? I wonder how much God, amen, we got to clap for that, mom. Thank you for giving me that, and thank you for praying that over me, because it might have taken me a long time to fully understand the resurrection, but I believe God honored those prayers that were prayed when I was a baby. And so I encourage you today, parents, you have a mighty task, Parents who have adopted kids, fostered kids. We have a couple in our church that recently just started fostering and adopting two young kids that are here today. Praise the Lord for that task, for that calling. Praise the Lord for the moms in the room who have stepped into situations where now they're moms. Or the dads who have stepped into relationships where now they're dads. Isn't that what Joseph did with Jesus? Right? Who's Jesus' dad? It's, it's the father God, but who's his adopted dad? Some guy named Joseph. Right? Joseph chose to be there for Jesus. That's what we're doing, church family, is we're raising up the next generation, the generation of now even, of kingdom leaders that will be the church. So I want to encourage you to do those things, even if it's joining a charge group and saying, you know what, I'm going to go to group and I'm going to take my kids with me. And they're going to be a little bit of a, 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 
a loud noise at times, but they're going to see mommy and daddy going to group. And they might even get engaged into it. Or maybe it's going to youth group on Thursday night. Just want to encourage you that there's something we can be doing. Amen. And I'm thankful for all the moms in the room who have labored over their kids. Do not stop. Because you never know the Timothys that are still to come. Lastly, with this point, I wouldn't encourage you to invest anything other than the word of God at this level because nothing else will last. The Bible tells us that everything one day is going to burn up, but yet the word of God will remain. The disciple Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, once said it like this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. He says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Friend, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, invest the word of God in your kids. There's no greater investment, and the return will be eternal. There's no greater investment, and there's no greater return. Start now. As we get ready to close this message, I just have one more point. Uh, that, that Lois and Eunice, they had a faith that was living. It influenced who they were. It was sincere. That they passed down the Bible to Timothy. And the third point that I just want to highlight here is that they were faithful through difficult circumstances. We don't know a ton about Lois and Eunice. I'm giving you the three times that they're mentioned in the Bible. And this next one is not even by name, but you'll get to know them a little bit through their story. It comes from the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 1. This is the first time in the Bible where we meet Timothy and get to know more of his story. The text says that Paul came to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So here we learn that Timothy's dad was not a Jewish man, nor was he a believer in Christ. His mom was a Jewish woman who became a believer in Christ, and now this is the circumstance that he's growing up in. So is he going to be a Greek like his dad and believe in Zeus and Artemis and Athena and all the Greek mythological gods, lowercase g? Or will he be like his mom who believes in the living God, the God of the Bible? And he came to a place where he saw the faithfulness of Lois and Eunice. And he said, I want to put my faith in that Jesus. Their faith is sincere. Their faith is living. The word of God is alive. And I want more of him. And Timothy would become a disciple under the apostle Paul and would become a great kingdom church planting leader that we're still talking about today. Amen. How important is your task as a parent or future parent? The fact that they stayed faithful in the difficult circle, it was already difficult enough to be a believer during this season, right? It was intense persecution. People were being martyred for their faith. It was very difficult for a woman who was Jewish to say, yes, I believe in Jesus as my Messiah, but Lois did that. And Eunice did that. And then they raised their son to believe that. And they stayed faithful during this difficult circumstance. I want to give you hope today if that's your story. Some of you today are married to somebody who doesn't believe the same faith that you do. Some of you are 
are no longer married, but maybe you're a parent alongside another parent that doesn't believe the same things that you do. Can I just go ahead and tell you there's hope? That was Lois and Eunice's story. That we don't know much about this Greek father, but we know a whole lot about these two ladies that invested the word of God. And I want to encourage you to not give up to not stop praying, to not stop sharing, to not stop taking to church, to not give up on this calling that's on your life to be the example, the mother, the father, the leader, the grandmother that's in these children's lives. MacArthur says it like this, and I'll close with this quote. He says, being both Jewish and Gentile, Timothy had access to both cultures an important qualification for missionary service at the time. He was a young man, probably in his late teens or early 20s, but he was well spoken of by brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. What's so cool about that is Timothy would get saved, right, under Paul's ministry, and then Timothy would be the one to take the gospel to the Greeks and the Gentiles because of his dad's background. Then Timothy could go cross over into the synagogue and share about his faith because his mom's Jewish, And he could start churches. He was a believer in Jesus. God uses all of our crazy different uh, stories and testimonies and turns them into his good. Amen. And that God has more for each one of us. And that he'll use you and be glorified through your life um, if you let him. It's a long journey. The the journey, I think, is is just beginning. And I want to encourage you, you you can start uh, now. I actually recently came across a video that reminded me of what I'm talking about, faithfulness in the circumstances of life. Some are difficult, some are easy, some are fun, some are long, but if we can stay faithful in all those circumstances, God will honor our task. I saw this Mother's Day video, and I want to show it to you guys here as well. Come on, sweetie. Oh, honey, you've got... You've got something on your face. Mom. Oh, good job, good job, buddy. You got this, go slugger. Yeah. Mom. Did you brush your teeth? Did you really brush your teeth? Let me smell your breath. Mom. Okay, Jake, honey, this is the only thing I can find, all right? <laughs> Mom. Yeah, it's a compound fracture. Sweetheart, you're gonna be okay. Mom? Well, you have a good set of crutches? Seriously, Jake, what am I going to do with you? Mom. Hi, Jake. Hi. Ooh, she's really cute. Mom. Mom? Mom. Jake, sit up straight, honey. Mom.
you, you've got something on your face. Mom. all emotional up here. Excuse me. Um, You can believe the hype about motherhood. To go the distance uh, with your kids through the compound fractures, through the the bad smells, and through all the different seasons, that the Lord will meet you there, and he'll he'll, he'll meet you there, and he'll do the rest. Let's be faithful, uh, even through the difficult times. Let's invest the word of God. Let's pass the word of God down faithful in difficult circumstance, and let's have a living faith that our kids grow up and say, man, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, they had a real sincere faith. Let's pray. Father.